Welcome to the best of times and the worst of times. I'm James Doyle. And I'm David Paul. This is a podcast about learning stuff through business. Yeah, and the things that happened in the past that were tough at the time and turned out to be the best thing that ever happened. We set ourselves a challenge as two of the chattiest people we know to stop talking and do some listening. And the only way we could figure out how to do that was to invite some really interesting people to listen to. I don't like it. I want to be quiet. <laughs> well, hello there, and welcome to the Best of Times, Worst of Times. I'm James Doyle. And I'm David Paul. And with us on the show today, we have Rebecca Griffiths. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, gentlemen. Virtually, hello. Hello. So you are our first uh, recording via Zoom, and we really appreciate you taking time out of your day. You know, you're quite busy. So... Quick background on Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca has a long uh, history working. First of all, I believe you're in Turkey in your career. Um, and she's lived and worked in the United States for Amazon. And right now, Rebecca is one of the pioneer female leaders in tech and has recently completed a raise, a substantial raise at the end of 2023 for her business premise. So we're going to dig in a little bit more into your background, Rebecca, um, and what the company does, your experiences, and then also um, where uh, you had a couple of bumps along the way and what we took from that. And before we end up with uh, David and David, my favourite part of the, the, the podcast, which is the Smash Hits. But before we get into it, just give us your background in your own words. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for the introduction. Yeah, I think for me, my background's a funny one because I didn't go to university and study logistics and supply chain and e-commerce. Um, I left school at, after I've done my GCSEs, never really liked education, never really learned from a classroom, to be really honest with you. So for me, I was very much taught from a very young age of whatever you want, you go out there and do it yourself. Like no one's going to come and give you money. If you want something, you go out there and work hard for it. Um, so for me, I went straight into like back, going really far back. Like I went to beauty school to go and learn to be a beautician. That was the role that I wanted wow. to play when I left school. I was going to go to college and learn everything around, I don't know, injecting Botox into your face to doing a Swedish massage <laughs> to painting your toenails. You know, I wanted to be that. I wanted to work in the top spas, work on cruise ships because I love being around people. Um, and I did do that for a few years. And then I decided one crazy day, I actually didn't want to be in the UK anymore. I still don't want to be in the UK anymore, <laughs> but I didn't want to be in the UK at the time. Uh, so I went to go and apply to be a holiday rep for Thomas Cup. So back in the days when you used to land on your, you know, land in Benidorm or Turkey or Spain, and you see us all there with a clipboard going, Thomas Cook. Thompson's, Tui, that was me. I was the one at the gate with the clipboard with the list of hundreds of names and numbers getting off a flight, landing from Birmingham, let's say, you know, and I'd be like, right, Coach A, you're going to this resort, Coach B. So we would do everything from that. And I absolutely loved it. It was like the best thing I've ever done, to be honest with you. It actually beats what I'm doing now. Because to <laughs> me, I was on probably the most shittiest salary ever. I was on like 400 pound a month I lived with like two strangers I'd never met in my entire life one of them ended up being my bridesmaid so like just oh, wow. crazy yeah to like literally being dumped in the middle of a foreign country on my own my dad's like uh 
okay, will you, what, what will happen? Where will you live? I'm like, I don't know. I've just got a job and I'm going here and I'll see you in six months. That six mon months turned into like two and a half years. So I just traveled around. I got placed into different parts of the country and different, different parts of Europe to go and be a holiday rep. And I think that me personally, and my dad believes this as well, that set me up to where we are now. And for me, because I left home, two suitcases, 40 kilograms each, drove down to Gatwick. I'm from Sheffield. So Gatwick was like, where is Gatwick Airport? I go from Manchester. They're like, no, you've got to fly from Gatwick. So my parents drove me down, I turned up didn't know anyone got on that plane sat with someone I was like who are you where are you going to and then from there I just decided you've just got to chuck yourself into these things you just don't know what's behind that door you don't know who you're going to meet and then over time um of course I couldn't be a holiday rep all my life so I decided to come back to the UK that's also where I met my husband he also then did six months kind of holiday repping but he didn't like it as much as I did I loved it he was like yeah I've done it now I'm done I'm like, no, no, keep going. He's like, absolutely not. No, I'm not doing it anymore. So I came back to the UK and made my move down to down to London. Uh, and that's where really my world started. I jobbed hopped a little bit, to be really honest with you. Didn't really know what I wanted. Um, and then just kind of stumbled into the world of technology. And that's where really my first big gig was uh, with Amazon. If I really look at back of like the main company, I started at Amazon. So me going for an interview in Holborn and dressing up, going into Holborn on my own, commuting with other commuters, like, wow, I feel really grown up now going into that <laughs> interview. You know, like you, you see it on things like um, like The Apprentice, or you see that, the, you know, the recordings, they're all getting off the tube and they're like, I'm here to rock this world. That was me. So you're like, so you're like Dick Whittington with a <laughs> yeah. stick and a, and a knotted handkerchief on the exactly, end of it, right? Exactly, exactly. Please, yeah, please, sir, can I have some more? You know, so for me, it was like, do you know what? I've just got to go for it. And I went for this interview for Amazon. It was like three and a half hours long. And they literally asked everything under the sun. But good thing about Amazon, they don't string you along. They tell you within 48 hours if you've got the job or not. Uh, and within 24 hours, I got the phone call and it was, you've got the job. Yeah, you start, you know, you start in Slough. And I was like, where's Slough? What's going on in Slough? Turned up in Slough. Oh, lovely. Is this where I'm working? They're like, no, 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 no. This is your induction. You're actually going to be based in Holborn Viaduct. So I was like, that's much more glamorous than working in Slough. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing about Slough is the Mars bath batteries in Slough. So it's like yeah. of chocolate. Right? Actually, Buckingham Avenue. If you're down there when they're pouring the sugar out, it's... Um... Yeah. I, I yeah. actually, I think the, like the Dick Whittington, Paddington Bear situation, that, I mean, normally at this point, David jumped in with a question, but what I'd like to do is just lead in with, because I think this is a pretty good story, being plonked into another country. Rebecca, could you just very quickly explain how you and I first met? Yeah. Yeah. This sums up a character. Yep. Oh, this is why I just know that you're going to. Okay. This is a story of my life. So basically, um, first time to Saudi. So like fast forward to now and premise, we're, we're on a big mission to really get our technology into the GCC region. I've never flown to Saudi in my entire life. So first of all, I was told you've got to cover your arms, you've got to cover your face, you've got to cover your head, you can't do anything, don't look, don't breathe, don't touch, don't show anything. I'm like, right, I'm a Sheffield bird, I'm quite loud, uh, I like to wear things that I'm free, I like my arms out, like how am I going to cope with this? I'm going to be in 40 degree desert, hey, 
I'm going to do it. So anyway, I booked my fly. I then get connected through a mutual friend of ours on WhatsApp and said, you should speak to my mate James. He's already there. He's in Saudi. I'm like, hey, fine. Yeah. But next minute, we're messaging on the plane. It was like, it's like we were blind dating, but we never, you know, we never <laughs> knew each other. So I'm on this Saudi air and he's going, right, I'm staying here tonight. I'm like, oh, I'm at this hotel. Right, meet me later. I'm going to be with these guys. Obviously, of the guys, I knew one of them already who lives in Dubai. So I was like, there you go. Small world. We've got the same people. So I land in Saudi and then we met in literally like the badge collection, didn't we, at the beginning? <laughs> so this this tall, like six foot, how old tall are you, James? Six foot two? Six three. Six, three. six three, right. So this six foot three bloke comes, like, I'm along like sweating because I've literally like walked across the car park with a jacket and like blouse and I'm like, fucking hell, this is hot. I'm going <laughs> to be in this all day. I go in and I'm in the queue and I hear this, is it Rebecca? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, James. And I'm like, oh, Rebecca. <laughs> And he's like, come and get your badge next minute. We were just like, that was it. It were like, we were just like brothers and sisters, personally. And we just got our badge. And then we just basically met a, a few troops along the way, didn't we? And then literally yeah. we were there for, what, two days, the conference? Um, and then at the time I was kind of like getting a bit burnt out with what was going on with the company. I'd, you know, sometimes you just need that re the fire back in your belly again. And then James was like, just come to Dubai, come hang out with me for the weekend. And I was like, do you know what? Yeah, why not? So I'd met this man two days ago. Next minute, I end up in Dubai and I'm hanging out with James's mates. We go to the beach club. And it was like we'd known each other for years. That's how it was. It was weird. I just the weird thing, I'm, I know I'm no straight with the question James has got, but this was actually with your husband's blessing. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. I was waiting for the punchline. It was like, and then six years later, when I was released from a Dubai prison, <laughs> I realised that was the biggest mistake I'd ever made. Yeah, I mean, we started the brainwashing the day she got <laughs> No, so so Rebecca's husband, Alan, uh, and your son, you'd come yeah. down and hang out in my place. My daughter. So it was all very, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all very much. Like, I have a very open relationship with my husband like look you, you know because he knows I have to travel and I meet loads of different people but then I and then and then James was like I can, I can message your husband and I'll tell him where where, where you're going to be are and you, you show like show him the spare room you're going to be and I was oh. like it's fine he trusts James, me it's okay how chivalrous are you let me text your husband for you and explain how fine this all is that's not weird <laughs> but you know you know that you can lose you can literally lose a lot of money and lose your safety quite quickly down there and actually rebecca first of all knew, we knew lots of mutual people yeah we did but secondly the the, the business and the product and actually it was the character i think she's brilliant you know this will go somewhere so it's kind of that if you get a chance to play it forward jump in and do it and and that was one of those moments where we could and it's funny because now Obviously, I'm living not in Dubai, but all the friends that I had in Dubai kind of mix and they know Rebecca. So when she's down there and it's kind of like my life in Dubai ended, Rebecca's is just beginning. But anyway, look, I'm, I know you anyway, so I'll let David ask some questions. Yeah. So, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Rebecca, the thing that I wanted to know about was, um, uh, yeah, my background is with FedEx. I, I, I was at FedEx for 26 years and um, I was involved in the rollout of uh, a complete redesign in our customer experience about 15 maybe more years ago and um, we had a reputation before that for being the best of the best you know we were premium we were the top end of the market in terms of price because we delivered outstanding experiences all along the way um, but like many businesses the market catches up 
uh, we sometimes you know, lose a bit of focus. And so there was a, a, an absolutely correct strategy to roll out something different. And I really enjoyed being part of that. And um, I'm perhaps being a little bit generous to myself when I say it was only 15 years ago. It was certainly predating any idea of any CRM, CXM, wow. uh, beyond the systems that we had that did bookings, that did invoicing, that did sales. But they were all you know, separate, not connected in any way. And so then I was looking at premise and, 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 and it looks like your, your headline is almost... Customer service, customer experience, they are a very closely overlapping Venn diagram, maybe even almost a total eclipse. Yeah. Why is that, Why is everybody else not thinking that way? Is, yeah. is, that, is that fundamentally the starting point for you guys? Yeah, for sure. So for me, when I worked at Amazon, um, like everything we built, everything we launched, everything we looked at was always at the heart of the consumer. And customer experience was always number one. Is this going to be a good experience for our customers? And if it's not, we don't spend any time, any budget, and no more time is on this. We move on to the next project. And we were quite ruthless with that. And that's something that's kind of been very much ingrained in me. And, you know, also when I worked there, our, one of our missions was be, always being customer obsessed. Everything you build is for the future of your consumer. You know, they may not think they need it, but they'll need it in two years time, five years time, 10 years time. And that was ingrained in me because obviously I was KPI'd of that. I was KPI'd of the mission principles that Amazon ingrained in us. And I took that into my other businesses and other business, other roles that I went into. And every time I'm a, I'm a stickler for a few things of life. And I think you can't, if you get customer experience wrong, why? It, it, it can be very easy to do. You know, like if you have a bad experience at a restaurant, you probably won't go back. If you have a bad experience at a Zara store, which I have a lot of times because the queues are horrible, you tend to switch to more online because you haven't got yes. the time to be standing in a queue in a Zara in Milton Keynes because time's precious. You've got things to be doing now in life. So for me, when businesses don't get customer experience right, I then think, well, what are you doing right then? Because without your business, without your customers you don't have a business and if you don't treat them well they're never going to come back they're going to go to a competitor so for me when we i brought that into premise when i then thought of a am i crazy to go and compete with the big boys in this market um do i want to compete with the big boys in this market have i do you think we can really change something and initially i was like mm, i don't know and then part of me was like well if you don't know if you don't try you don't know and here we are three and a bit years on now, just closed our second funding of 2 million in a very, very crappy time last year of funding and everyone was doing down rounds or literally closing businesses. We just got our head down and knew that we were building something that we believe customers want now and customers want for the future. Um, so for me, customer experience, I think is 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 number one to get right. Because as soon as you get good customer experience, everything else falls into place. And I think in the space that we sit in, in Final Mile and logistics, it's such an emotional part of that journey. And years ago, you would never have thought of getting that experience better. You just think, well, I send them a tracking link and they go onto FedEx and they track their parcel. That's okay. That's what they need. No, no, no. We need more now as consumers because the worlds of Amazon are making it 10 times better. So you can track everything. You can do everything through your Amazon experience so brands are sitting there going, Amazon's taking all our business. It's like, 
They're not. They just have a better business model and they're looking after the consumers way better than you are. That is why they're going to Amazon, then going coming direct to you. And then they sit there and they're like, oh, yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, we need to invest in CX. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. I think Amazon have got themselves into a position now where it's also almost become the Google of consumerism, right? So it's, is it on Amazon first? And then only then do you look a second or third place to see. And, you know, and we also know Amazon over time, I think their initial premise was very much focused upon uh, price. And I think now it's absolutely focused on convenience. You know, the the, the, the penny books was was the founder was the mothership for a time. Yep. But they, I was doing some training work with some uh, some businesses yesterday, and um, we were talking about Amazon and and had this this um, very interesting debate about Amazon being. Someone was saying no, they're they're all about convenience, and somebody else was saying no, they're all about price. They said no, no, they used to all be, be all about price. That's yeah. not to say that they are always the cheapest. It's not to say they're always the most expensive. But the convenience that comes with it means that for so many transactions, it's almost a reflex action to order with them now rather than a decision. And that is a killer place to be. It's kind of theirs to lose, right? Yep. 100%. A habit. A habit. Good experience becomes a habit. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's, it's like anything. Like if I go and book a, a hotel... I typically go to booking.com because my details are saved, my credit card's saved in the system. I just go on and it's three clicks and I've booked my hotel. It's easy. It's convenient. Then going direct, sometimes I know you get sometimes a better deal and you get the upgrades because you've booked direct and you've saved them 50% commission to booking.com. But to me, that to me gives me more problems because it'd be like, Enter your login details. Well, I've never shopped with you before. I register as a new customer. I don't want to register as a new customer. I just want to check out and move on. I don't need anything else in between. You know, so it is changing and customer experience. Yes, we sit in that final bit, but it happens across the wholesale cycle personally. Uh, but if you get the top bit right, but you've still got the middle and the end bit still wrong, then you're just wasting a load of money at the beginning and you're just hemorrhaging the cash at the bottom because you're not, filtering it all through to the different stages you just kind of going oh well, we've got a great website we've got seo and ppc and that's all working well yeah but what about your checkout what about the delivery what about the comms what about returns are you making that bit easy oh we'll get to that okay well you'll lose your customers then just saying <laughs> and so that's really interesting so so you know, my background is sales and i run a business called sales geek and we are there to support businesses maximize their potential you know, business of all sizes and one of the most common um things i have to pick up the pieces of is of businesses that have bought a cr bought a crm and it, and it didn't do anything and what i mean by that is that they thought that buying this product off the shelf it would rewire their mindset, their motivation, their structure, their discipline, their accountability. And I, I see it very much as an enablement tool. Yeah. Um, and I imagine it's the same with you guys at Premise, which is that buying the product is the start of a journey. But then if, if they're trying to enhance or fix their CXM, um, oh, sorry, their customer experience, I should say, it is an enablement tool rather than a vaccine that fix things. Is that something that you encounter where you have to help them understand that this, yeah. that the journey you go on, this is almost the body armor that helps it happen. This is your structure, yes. this is your framework. But plugging this into your network 
is going to change nothing unless you do all the right things. Correct. Exactly that. You know, we we never go into any business and go and pitch to, you know, the e-com director or even the supply chain or logistics guy. And they'll sit there and go, well, we've got 10 carriers. We use Metapack and we've got 10 carriers and we've got one platform. How are you going to help this? And it's like, well, we're not a Metapack for one. We're not, you're not going to print labels through us. We're not a carrier because we're not physically moving your goods. So stick with that. But we, what we're giving you is data, more data of your consumers, how they're shopping, where they're shopping, how frequently they're coming back to the website, where are they repurchasing, how long are they staying on your website, where are they clicking when you give them that branded tracking page? Because at the moment, you're just passing them to Royal Mail, and no offense, Royal Mail are not interested in upselling, cross-selling. They just need to get a parcel out ASAP. So we're providing more additional data and layer to feed into your meta packs or whatever else you're using, but we're not here to replace it. We're here to advance it and give you more data and insight. That's all we lead with because we do get pushback. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, everybody takes our solution from day one. We do get pushback off, but we've got this and we've got, we use Clavio. Okay, that, that's great. But what do you do around the final mile communications? We use Clavio. No, you don't, because I've just done a mystery shopping and I got sent out to DHL. Oh, right. Yeah. For final mile. No, we don't do anything for final mile. We don't think we need to. Why not? Because you're, you've just transacted with your consumer. They've handed over some cash. They have now built trust with you. They're waiting for you. They're not waiting for DHL. They're waiting for you. Oh, yeah, okay, when well, you think about it. And then that data we capture, you can move that into your Clavio portal. So we're enhancing that even more. And then they're like, oh, and you can see these little pennies drop. It's because nobody, people float post-purchase. Everyone talks about post-purchase now. Post-purchase. But do you know what post-purchase is? Yeah, it's just like CX and it's in the post-purchase world. Yes, but do you know what, what data points you need to remove with the post-purchase element? Uh, no. We use, we use Gorgeous as our chatbot. No, that's not post-purchase. It sits in post-purchase, but it's not fully post-purchase. And it is still an educational piece that we, me and the team and the business still have to keep communicating into this world of, we just want to focus on this little bit. I'm not it bothered is, about that. <laughs> it is, but it is actually a really important part because it's that digital journey the, you know, and they get to check out people often forget, and then there's this fight between the logistics and the digital journey as well. So what you're actually doing is you're extending that and you're overlaying the, you know, ultimately the logistics, the checkout. It is that transition from digital to the real and back. But also, um, you know, surmising this a bit, Rebecca, it's, it's a conversation you and I have had many, many times. It's that closing the loop of the whole supply chain. Because prior to that product being in the checkout, it had to be manufactured and moved and stored and people had to photograph it, design it, trade and whatever that business wants to do. So actually, it's it's a nuanced concept, yet quite obvious when suddenly people wake up. And, and I've seen it a few times as Rebecca's explaining it to people. Like, oh, yeah. Um, I want to touch on one. Rebecca used a phrase earlier. Um, do I want to go up against the big boys? And you're a female leader in tech. All right. So I, I know more about this journey that you had last year, but you, you did go on a bit of a journey during 2023 and you managed to secure a, a good round in, um, in in technology, which actually right now, as we see it, we're beginning of 2024 and in the investment world, and certainly the big money, it's, uh, it's 
the move on technology has definitely slowed down. Mm -hmm. It's in the press. There's actually more of a desire towards actual physical infrastructure. So I think that's one of the more attractive things is that there's a physical element to what you do. But it, we really want to sort of focus in a little bit on that. If you, can you share a bit more on what that journey was like last year? Because I, I, I do remember talking to you about some of the lows. And I don't know if these are going to be the worst of times. I mean, you'd really like to hear what was that one moment where everything was like, ugh. Yeah, but, no. But yeah. It's a, it was, a, and, and honestly, and I, I can actually say this uh, when I'm sat here now, and David's heard me say this before, I was so thrilled when you managed to secure it last year because I know what that meant to you and to the team. And, you know, and that was a huge, huge win. And you were up against it, so... Tell us. Yeah, yeah. 2023, I would say, is probably one of the challenge, the, the most challenging years I've had, personally and business. And when I say personally, because obviously this company is like my, it's like my life. It is. It, I put my everything into it. I've, I put my savings into it to make, to create the MVP. I packed in my full-time job. And, you know, I took the biggest jump that I've personally done to date and last year, with it being 2023 and listening to the market and coming up against, you know, we, we, I look at my competitors, they're doing amazingly well. They're raising hundreds of millions of Series B, Series C cash. There's us at the time, we just did a pre-seed in 2022 for half a million pounds, which to me was like, to me, that was like a game changer, half a million. But to our competitors, it was like, that's a drop in the ocean. That's like our sales kickoff for the year. Do you know what I mean? That's what we spend to get all our team around the world. And we have this wonderful jolly for two weeks or a week. To me, it was like, okay, I can now start creating more of a business. Then as we moved into 2023, I was still coming up against a lot of challenges around we need to see more conviction. We need to see more contracts. We need to see more case studies. We need to see more MRR. We need to see more ARR. And, and but they would say to me, but we know it's a tough market out there. And it's like, okay, if you know it's a tough market and you know that I'm out there doing my damnedest because you can see and we're literally scraping by, like how else am I meant to get to those numbers if I can't get any more capital? Because if I don't get any more capital, I am going to run out of cash. You know, and there was times of the month where I couldn't pay myself because I'm like, I can't, I can't pay myself anything. I've got to pay my team who have taken the risk to work here, you know, and I would sit there thinking, why am I doing this? This is not fun. This is just, it's, it's, crushing everything of me I, I felt at times I'd pack it in I think at times I was with, with, with James in Dubai going I don't want to do this anymore I'm just going to go get a job I'm just going to leave this and not do it because I felt like I was having to jump through more hoops than you should normally um, and I remember when we got our a couple of term sheets last year the very early stages of, of 2023 and I was just like why would I accept those terms and all they kept saying was, in the current climate, being a solo founder, being a female founder, I'm like, doesn't make any difference if I'm a man or a woman. Why are you giving me these terms? Tell me why. You know, you're asking me to do a down round to take more equity to get less cash for you to own more of the, of the business. No, I'm not going to do that. Well, looking at your runway, you're going to run out of cash and if you don't take it. I'm like, I've run out of cash. I'm not taking it. You know, and I had to sit for months and figure out what, what's the pipeline, what's coming in. And there was times of desperation. You are, you're trying to get a contract closed because you know the cash is going to come in, but you don't show that, you know, I'm a swan. What this is here is perfect, pristine and perfect, 
But down here, I was paddling like shit just to get through the next month and then the next month. And then I'd meet people at events and they're like, God, you're doing amazing. And I'm like, what are you reading? What are you seeing? Because I'm not going out there saying I'm doing amazing, but you can't go out there and saying, oh, I've only got a month left and I could be closed down in a month. Do you want to buy my solution? You're not though, are you? Let's be real with you. Come on. So you're saying to them, do not look beneath the water. Yeah, no, be definitely not. Here. Do yeah. not look. <laughs> no, just look here. This is what you need to see. This, this here, this box. And I had to, you know, I had to do that. And for me, I went through hurdles and I kept saying to myself, this is what's meant to be won't pass you. And what's meant to be is there for you. You just got to keep figuring it out and keep moving forward, keep moving forward. And after a while, I think for me, I had to kind of do a mindset myself of if it's a distraction and it's not going to get me to where I need to be, I have to just close it down and come back to it later. Cause I wasted a lot of time last year. I'm going to be very honest with you. And James knows this. I wasted a lot of time with a lot of conversations, didn't get me anywhere. But it was, oh, it's Rebecca. She's fun. She'll have a glass of wine. She'll have a good old boogie with us. And I'm like, I, I can do that later. I need to do this now. So for me, when I started to pitch uh, to Fuel, who then was our lead investor, it was like a ray of sunshine. And I can't explain what it felt like because as soon as I met them, there was none of this like, you know, when you come off a phone and you start questioning yourself what you said, did I say it right? Did I come across okay? I always finish the phone, the, the, the phone call or the teams going, that was a good call. That's positive. I feel that went well. Right. And then they'd always be very clear with me with what's happening next. Right. We're going to do this now. Then once we've done this, we're going to do this. And obviously I am an overthinker. I am a huge overthinker. So I then create more anxiety for me for myself. But for me, they were like, this is what we're going to do next. Then we have to see this. Then we have to see that. And if we see all of this, we will then go to IC. And if we go to IC, we'll make you an offer. But it was clear. But everybody else I spoke to was like, they wanted to play a game. Let's play a game. And let's waste your time and keep coming back in for more questions. And I'm like, but are you going to invest? Or are you just passing a bit of time up? Because I don't have the time. You do, because you're getting paid in two days' time by your company. I'm not. You know? So so that's that's incredible. So so yeah, it raises a few questions, right? Which is why do some businesses and organisations find being transparent so needlessly difficult? Yeah, right. Because actually, it's a waste of their time. It's a waste of your time. But but I just want to pick up on one thing because I want to just make sure that I heard it correctly. You were talking about uh yeah you're looking for investment you're getting lots and lots of pushback lots of pressure and stretch and expectations and you said that you were given feedback about it's a difficult time full stop it's a difficult time for tech but you also said as a female founder and so i'm not going to challenge whether or not that no, no. happened i'm sure it did it did yep how, how did you maintain both a professional and dignified stance to that, and or, or did you? Um, you know, because that that your knee jerk reaction to that could be principled but catastrophic, right? Yeah. I yeah. Just before you even, I was just saying, I, I I saw the whole thing inside and out, and the fact that she didn't lose her shit was remarkable. Yeah. Uh, yeah so you, yeah. you handled it well, even though it. it if so, I'll be, I'll be quite. You say. Yeah. No, for sure. I think. You know, for me, I'm 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 never going to 
when I'm in a business environment and I feel frustrated, I I will deal with it. And then I'll just go and rant to someone who I can feel secure ranting to. So i.e., let's say James, you know, if I come out of a meeting and go, what an absolute knob. I will then I will rant to James and I'll go, this is what I said. And they said that. Am I just overreacting? Is it because I'm now getting I am stressing now? Is it because I'm more sensitive to a, a you know a question that I'm getting more shitty as a response? I don't know. But then on the other hand, I was a bit like, but why are you asking me those questions? You, you know, if I was not a woman, would you ask me those questions? I don't know. But then there was a little bit like, well, actually, if you're going to ask me those questions, we're not meant to work together because you being a VC to us, it's kind of we're going to get married and we're going to get married for quite a long time. And you're going to be rich at the end of it. And potentially I'm going to be rich at the end of it. So I'm not going to get in in the last possible way. I'm not going to get in bed with someone I don't like. Let's put it that way. And if you're being rude to me or just kind of doing some derogatory comments, no, I'm not interested. No, no, I'm fine. I'll forget it. And that's where I do get a couple of times where at one of the term sheets, the guy basically said, oh, this was my pre-seed round, actually. Just be careful who you see and just be careful where, where you're getting your funding because we're well known, you are not. Oh, classy, right? Classy. Who and, says uh, that? And how many times have you recommended them to other women in business that you've been dealing with? And how Zero. many times have you badmouthed them in private to prevent anybody going down that path, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And and, and it's funny because this is actually customer experience management on a grand scale, right? Because they've turned you into a net detractor rather than yep. a net promoter. Yep. 100%. And that's why it's, I just knew to me, like that it was me I was meant to go through these stages uh, to then go and pitch to my current investor now in July. Remember it so vividly because I was with uh, I went to see my parents in Spain and I remember pitching in my like my mom and dad's like conservatory bit and my little boy was there and I'm like, right, mommy's going on a really important call. Be quiet, you know, Nanan's out there, go and deal with her. Don't come to me. I need to pitch. And I remember just sitting there and sometimes I get off phone calls like, oh, I feel mentally drained. But these guys have just got off the call going, okay, I feel, I feel positive about this. This feels right. And it's true. What's meant for you won't pass you. And clearly these guys were waiting in the wings, but I had to go through the emotional torture to get yeah. to where we are now and, and, and that's just built me and while there's always an interesting dynamic when you're going through investment uh, yeah i i do think and I, I don't know a great deal about it but i've spoken and i've built relationships over the years with a few people that are in that world and i think the ones who are right-minded accept that they have the money but actually feel that they should be selling themselves to you as the people best positioned to help you and it sounds like you found those guys in the end, but yep. you had to walk through an awful lot of, um, well, let's use, let's call it out some shit houses to get there, yep. right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I had my my first kind of, you know, board meeting, and I, I for such a small company, I don't like calling it a board meeting because I'm like it's just me and one other person. But that's okay, we'll call it that because that's what it's called. And I don't, I'm not one for titles and names and things. But we had our first board meeting this week, and everything we talked about was how are we going to do this? How are we going to get there? How are we going to support you? It was we, we together. We're going to do this. That is who we want. 
And when we go on to do the next raid in two or three years time, I'm not emotionally ready for another raid anytime soon, you know, so I'm still going to keep my tight northernness in the business and I'm not going to spend money if I don't need to, because we've got to make this money last. And I don't want to keep handing money, you know, tokens out to my business. Hey, do you want another 10% of my business? Hey, do you want another 10? I don't want to do that. So for me, the way when we brought on fuel and, and the guys, I just cannot speak any more highly of them because they are just phenomenal and they are just everything I wanted when I began the fundraising journey when someone said what do you want of an investor and I'm like the cash will come it's the individual it's the business it's the connections it's the open of doors it's the guidance I've not done this before this is my first time doing a startup business. I've made I've made mistakes and I probably will make more mistakes. But if I know that I've got a good guidance of someone who can go, no, we need to do this now because this is, this is the stage you're at, then you're going to help me be a better person as well in the coming years for me to potentially go on and do another business somewhere when I've sold this one. Who knows? I don't know. Or maybe I'll do it forever and ever and always. And I'll just be that woman traveling the world selling post-purchase. Oh, it's her again. <laughs> doing karaoke. Yeah. 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 So it it that was the worst of times as yeah, for the for the time that I've known you, that that the, the worst of times. Looking at the best of times now, and you know, you you, you it, it every day is a treat. So we we speak regularly and usually sort of like if I haven't heard from you for a couple of days, you haven't heard from me, there's a phone call and like and, and there's a general catch up and it's always enthusiastic. Um you've got a lot in front of you that's really good this year. You know, what are the best of times that you've had recently or what's the best of time that you're really looking forward to? Do you know what? I think less the, the best times that I'm looking forward to is I love getting out there and showing the world what we do and how we do it and what we've built. Because I am incredibly proud of the company, where it's got to, when it started. You know, we started in 2020. For goodness sake, like, wh why would you start a business in 2020? Especially software, logistics and CX. Like, why would you? But I did. And I created, I created it in company's house, like something like the 23rd of March, like when we went into lockdown, like two days earlier. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, nope, we're going, we're keeping going. And of course there was times, but now as I look to this year, I believe this year is, is our year. I think there's, there's a time in your career or there's a time in, in anything you do where a, one of those years is your years where you've gone through the, the ringer, you've been battered and bruised, but you come out of it and you look back on a year and go, that was my year. That was an incredible year. Everything fell into place. Everything was working. I did good things, created great memories. And I truly believe that this year is going to be our year as a business. And also for me, I the best way for me to get the business out there is to be and do things like startup pitches, being on the stage, joining, joining other retailers, showing the world that there is other options out there now. You don't have to go to the big corporate houses to get what you want. Come and believe in us and, and come on our journey and be part of our growth. And I believe this year is, is all part of that. So that's what I'm looking forward to. But I also, when I look back of last year as well, like, you know, I was in and out of Dubai a lot. Uh, I spent a lot of time with James and we spoke a lot about the industry, you know, pretty much most of last year. But I'm also starting to see that we're making some noise in a region that I'm truly believer that we can really challenge. And I know that not all of our competitors are in that region. 
and they don't know how to do it. And I've spent a lot of time in that region with James, without James at conferences that I'm starting to be seen as well. And I'm kind of like, that's just purely been me, just getting on a flight, getting to Dubai, getting in a conference, going in a room, knowing nobody and just getting my name out there. So that was probably one of the good things that that did come out of 2023. We're starting to make noise and people are aware of us where we've now had people come to us saying, I've heard about you. I don't know what you do, but it does sound great. And I'd like to know a little bit more. Great. You know, I, 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 I love that. You know, it's my, mine's on a different scale, but but you, you it's a, a strange dopamine hit that comes when you've slugged your guts out and it's a thankless task and you've walked through treacle and it's cold and windy and sleeting and you just think, oh, why am I doing this? And you sometimes get a tiny piece of recognition and it can be yeah. anything from, oh, I've seen you or I've I read this thing or and you just think something's happening, something's happening. Yeah. And, and yeah. sometimes that's all you need yeah. to get the next footstep moving. And it sounds like you've gone from uh, stationary in terms of in terms of external perceived progress yep. to you've got quite a few steps of momentum ahead of you now because you've got that tailwind because all of a sudden you can see things happening and, I, and I've noticed and, I, and, and I'm hopefully you do as well. There was a point where I thought my luck has changed. My luck has changed. And then actually somebody sat me down and said, "No, no, 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 your hard work's paying off." Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm making this happen. Is, is that where yeah. you are right yeah. now? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I'm like, oh, that was a stroke of luck. And I'm like, actually, no, Rebecca, you've emailed them like 25 times. And it's because you've stalked them that much and you've hunted them down at a conference and got in front of their face. They go, oh, yes. I mean, it was funny. I was in New York last week at NRF and I was at a shop talk event and I was walking through the door and I signed myself in, got a badge, put my like speed date, you put your badge on. I'm walking in and I had a, a blazer on. So it was covered my badge. He didn't know who I was. And he came up to me and he went, sorry, this is going to sound really weird. I was like, no, go on. He's like, Are you Rebecca Griffiths? And I was like, yes. I was like, yes, yes, I am. And he was like, do you do a lot of work in the Middle East? And I was like, yes. Yes, I do. And he's like, yes, I've noticed. I, you've come up a few times in conversation. I'm like, aha, uh -huh. thank you very much. And that was just in a, like, a conference networking area, grabbing literally a cup of tea, sat at this, well, stood at the stand completely on my own, so I went on my own. And this guy come over and just recognised my face and just went, yes, I've, I've heard of you. Are you coming to the Vegas one for Shop Talk? I said, yes. He's like, oh, I'm looking forward to hearing about what you're doing. And I was like, wow. there you go. And it's like, oh, like hang hey. on. yeah, hang on. I think I might be slightly internationally famous now. Exactly. Right? I, mean, I was like, oh my God, I've just walked into a bar and someone knows me. <laughs> For a good reason. So, yeah. As well. <laughs> so, exactly. You, yeah. You were born yeah. in, I think, 32,000 people went this year. Yeah. yeah. It was a big event. So, huge. Um, David and I are looking at each other. You don't know this yet, Rebecca, but we set ourselves the challenge that we want to be at NRF next January. Yes. Yeah. So are you going to be there next January? Don't Probably so. Probably yeah. so. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll do get but, you on the blog. But I, we're just going to add in another layer. This is a stretch target we're yeah. applying there. So we're going to go. Target, but yeah. our stretch target is not only to be there, but to have a stranger walk up to us and recognize Yeah, yeah absolutely. Or else it will be a failure compared to your visit to NRF. There you right? go. There you go. Yeah, that's it. That's that's exactly what we want to do. So yep. yeah. Yeah. But I yeah. 
but yeah, but there you go. He just knew, he he just didn't know anything more of me. He just knew my name and knew that I was doing some work in the Middle East. And he was like, I've, yeah, I've heard. I'm like, oh, who have you heard it from? And he's like, oh, I can't remember. But I was like, who did you know me? How did you know me? Like really probing him in a jokey way. <laughs> and he was like, you're on LinkedIn, obviously. And then he said, oh, you're going to Vegas. Let's catch up in Vegas. Ever since then, he has messaged me on LinkedIn. So really good to finally meet you. And now he's like, Liking my posts, you know, so I've found a new follower, which is great. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. So, yeah. Okay, so it's 2024. Um, we want to keep these as current, um, but, but timeless at the same time. So, over the rest of this year, where yeah. could we see you? Um, yes. Road showing premise. I think that's the first thing. And the yep. second thing, if you, uh, you know, what what is a, a a good fit customer look like for you? I think that's a, a fair point. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, no, for sure. So open about the business. So shamelessly plug away, Rebecca. Yeah, no, absolutely. So my next trip is to Los Angeles next month. So we're going to uh, a cross-border e-commerce delivery show in LA, which I've got invited for via a customer of mine in the US, which is amazing. Uh, so we're doing that end of February. Then I'm going to Shop Talk Vegas in March, and we're doing a talk on their startup stage. So we've got like a seven minute pitch and I'm like, how do I get seven minutes? It's like, okay, fine. We'll do it. We'll do it. We can do it in seven minutes. So we've got Shop Talk Vegas uh, in March and then I'm back into the desert. So I'm going back to Dubai for Retail Summit in April because there's a load of retailers I need to stalk and get and find a way in because they're not answering my emails at the moment. <laughs> and then there's Seamless Dubai, which we're then moderating a couple of panels around home delivery, e-commerce, final miles. So really from February, March, April and May, I'm going to be stateside and then Middle East. So I'm gonna be over there really spreading the word, showcasing premise, getting some more customers on board. And really for us, our customer or ICP or anything B2C brands, so fashion, apparel, beauty, cosmetics, um, sport and leisure type brands. We sit very much in a B2C category. So if you buy online and you're shipping to a consumer, that is our absolute niche spot that we would love to get in front of, talk to, and be part of their e-commerce strategy for 2024. Cool. Very cool. cool. We, I, I, we're going to move on to our final questions in a second, but I, I, we, we made a promise to each other okay, yep. when we do these that we're not going to talk too much about transport and logistics because although we think that's extremely sexy, we know that we are not normal people. Um but I, I want to ask a very quick question to, to, to the pair of you, actually, because I, I have um, a favourite returns solution. <laughs> I know this is unusual, um, but I think this is really creative. I, I, I don't know whether either of you are familiar with a business called M&M Direct. Yes. So they're a yeah, UK, yeah, I think that dead stock, pilot high, sell it cheap, you know, Adidas, Under Armour, all those kind of brands. And I don't know why... I don't, I've not seen this adopted anywhere else, but in, as you're checking out with them and you've ordered a pair of trainers and a pair of jeans and a jacket, they offer you the opportunity to buy a returns label for £2.50. Um, and, and I love that for two reasons. Number one is, as somebody who's spent most of his life working for carriers, it stops that shipping is free mindset. Okay. Um, the solution works really well. So if you get your delivery and it turns out the trains don't fit as happened to, as, as has happened to me twice uh, since Christmas. Um, you go online, gives you QR codes, 
you take you take it back to you know I think to every that they use actually and it's just it's really really great work it works really really well but I spoke to somebody in that business a couple of years ago and yeah it's effectively a spread bet for them as a business right so apparently they have very good density on the number of people that buy it and they have fairly low density on the number of people that use it so it's actually become a profit line whereas returns in transport logistics and in retail is seen as a dead drain on yeah. business um so my question to either of you is do you agree that that is an innovative and really interesting model but it's it's almost shocking that that's not more universal in my mind i'm, I'm going to defer entirely to rebecca because she is the pro here and i'm only going to come at it from the perspective of you know, I hate dealing with returns, though, but Rebecca? Yeah, no, I I, I kind of love returns because I still believe there's a massive gap to fill in returns. Um, but before I joined uh, joined Premise, started Premise, I worked for, I consulted for a brand called Happy Returns out in the US who recently got bought by UPS for a lot of money. They've got a great model because oh. they make everything super, super easy for them. So basically they, you can just go, hey, I don't want this green sweater from Anthropology. You don't have to put it in the packaging. You don't have to go and print a label. You just put it in a bag that's nearest to wherever you are in your home and you go to a, a happy returns drop-off point. And basically they put it in a carbon neutral type bag. So they have their own bags, which are happy, bright yellow, happy return bags. But I could just literally rock up with this in my hand and say, I want to return this and they have to take it and they wrap it they put it in and then they send it off to the consolidation center so you don't have to go around taping boxes finding something like i've got a box here h&m that i need to take back to the post office but it's so bloody big i need to tape it all up but happy returns in the us say if you've got any returns just drop it off at a us point or a or a basically a pudo in reverse and we will do everything the label the email and the packaging just drop and go oh that's so that that's a carrier's dream because yeah. having yeah. the label at the right standard and yep. the packaging at the right standard addresses the two biggest problems that, that a carrier has for parcel acceptance. Okay, yep. I like it. Just Happy. Happy returns. Can you explain what a Pudo is, please? Uh, pick, up, uh, pick up and drop off. Awesome. So could be a store, could be could be a yep. part of the side of the road. Yep. Yep. So this is, so this is the bit I'm really looking forward to because... I actually don't know the answers to this question. As we know, I already know Rebecca quite well, um, mm -hmm. but I don't know what she's going to say, right? Okay. Um, smash it questions, Jay. Yeah, after you. you so, so uh, yeah, we asked this because this is where we really get the measure of people. What is the greatest album ever recorded? Oh, I'm going to say Queen. Ooh. Which one? Oh, the second one. And the only reason I say the second one is because my dad always used to play in the car because my dad used to be a drummer. Oh, so is that like Queen? Is it called Queen 2? I think it's called Queen 2. Is it something like that? Yeah. So it's yeah, it... a black album with the gold lettering. Yes, <laughs> that, one. that yeah. one. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. Okay. So, you're, so, you're that, so your dad has basically indoctrinated you into that through it being the only cassette he had in the car, the only CD Queen. Car, right? It was my dad was Queen. My mum was Abba. Okay. Oh, great. Great. All right. Okay. Um, uh, okay. You, 
I really want to know. I'm hoping it's one, but I know it's not. <laughs> so I'll tell you what I think it is. But what is your favourite gig of all time? My favourite gig would have been we went to an Ed Sheeran concert when Ed Sheeran was not Ed Ed Sheeran. It was like, oh, it's just Ed Sheeran. And it was at the Hammersmith Apollo. And me and my husband went down. He got tickets. They were like 20 quid a ticket. And we just went into this really small, like grimy little place. But it was the best gig ever because it was just one man and a guitar in silence. It wasn't this phone and flashy bands like you get at Coldplay. It was just the room, one man, one ginger lad with a guitar singing Ed Sheeran song. Obviously, it was Ed Sheeran, but it was like little Ed Sheeran, not big Ed Sheeran. And we were only talking about that the other night. That was probably one of the best concerts we went to because it was phenomenal. Well, that's that's really cool because I, I'm going to say that I can go on better, actually, oh. than you because uh, I, I and some friends have a, a music venue in Coventry. And uh, two years ago, in our little thousand capacity venue, um, for free, no charge, we had big Ed Sheeran but playing the small room. So we had all of it, ah. we all the birds, but had him first, first gig in, uh, first gig in two, oh, look at my picture. I've got a First gig in, uh, first gig he played in, uh, in two years post COVID and it was his first indoor show for a decade. So it was wow. tiny, 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 yep. but we knew it was momentous big Ed Sheeran. He's, um, whether you, whether that's type of your type of music or not, he is a talented boy. And actually, he's, weirdly, we're never, you know, they always say seven connections to Kevin Bacon. We're close to Ed Sheeran. It's our, not only did you have that at the at the Empire, but also producer Taylor, who's, who does the show for us, he interviewed him, right? Well, he interviewed him. And also, we're coming live from Leamington Spa, which is where Royal, Ed Sheeran... Royal, Royal, Royal Leamington Spa. Spa. Look, obviously, Ed Sheeran's from uh, sort of over East Anglia way, but actually, he came over and worked in Leamington Spa as a sound tech for a band called Nisloppy, who are based here. Yeah. And they gave him the leg up. So There, it's all there nice you go. JCB. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I, I actually thought your favourite gig was going to be downstairs at Lock, Stock and Barrel. Oh, in, well, that, that, of course. Of course. Roses, yeah. Uh, House of Pain, Jump Around. I'll never forget that. That was a good night. But, okay, of course. Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Fabulous. So, yeah, another question that we like to ask is, um, what is your favourite movie of all time? That's a good one. My favourite movie, ooh, there is a couple, but I would say the most recent one that I've re-watched is uh, Batman Dark Knight. Oh, okay. Excellent choice. That was the Christopher Nolan, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, that was Heath Ledger, that was who it. played it Joker. Was, yeah, the opening was filmed in yeah. Bassey Power Station, yeah. That's yeah. A, that's good. All right. And I, I don't know this. I should know this one. But what is your favourite sitcom? Favourite Friends. <laughs> Perfect, yeah. Excellent. Friends. All day long. And it's so, never going to be topped, right? That's it for life. Exactly. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. Brilliant. So Amazing. 
we're we're running out of time so be, before we um before we run off we'll just first of all thank you rebecca i know you and i know each other and this is your chance to actually meet david which is cool i do think we um we we did we, we keep talking about this pizza but we did promise rebecca pizza today but you weren't able to make it over so we are going to have to redo this and i definitely think that if we all end up at nrf next year it'd be very cool if rebecca's there to validate that people recognize you and me yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. You will so, be the arbiter of truth. Okay, there you go. That happens, there you sure. go. <laughs> well, but thanks for having so, me. Anyway, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on. No, absolutely, it's been a pleasure. It's so insightful. We've learned a great deal. We will be putting links to uh, various um, aspects of what's been in today's podcast into the show notes. So, if you want to know more about Rebecca or her organisation, then uh, be sure to uh, to take a look there. Um, but in the meantime, and until the next episode of The Best of Times, Worst of Times, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. That concludes another episode of The Best of Times, Worst of Times podcast. If you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button. And also give us a thumbs up, some feedback, share in the comments, tell your friends, and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye from James. Goodbye from David. <laughs>